Have you ever wondered where that next dollar should go? Tune in today and we're going to give you the financial order of operations. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Bo, this is one that, I mean, we've done this show before. Mm -hmm. What's surprising to me is that we did this show, and I know you and I talked, and you're like, are we really going to do that? We just did that show. And then I went and pulled the show notes. That show was recorded close to three years ago. Has it really been that long? It's been three years. And then here's the thing. When I went back and looked at the show notes, I was like, we could do this so much better and go so much in detail. Because y'all probably notice, if you, you, you this is our first um, plan, not guerrilla style, but it is our <laughs> first planned streaming episode. You guys are probably watching it recorded and post-edited. You're going to see if you're streaming this, it's not much different because we don't do a lot of editing right. and post-production. But it is one of those things that when I read it, I was like, we're going deeper. I want, I want to go a deeper dive and give away even more free information. And, but this stuff is powerful. And, and I want to go ahead and give a tease. If you think that it doesn't matter on prioritizing, you know, where your money goes and, and, and seeing if that doesn't make a difference, let me give you an example. We're going to be doing an upcoming episode. Um, Ben Carlson did a, a, a blog post titled Bob, the world's worst market timer. We're not just going to read his blog posts. Right. We have actually taken this in a completely different money guy direction. But what this thing is going to tell you, there's a key takeaway, is that your behavior, your timing, and your priorities result in a huge difference in what happens to your money. I'm talking about two to three times what would happen if you just let luck, just let convenience kind of determine your decisions. And I want to, I want to just, that's not like two to three percent. That's like two to three times more money throughout the course of your financial life. When I did, because I've actually put numbers to this when we do this episode, it results in about $130,000 per year difference based upon how much bigger the separation between right. the assets. So I, I just tell you, success is built upon the decisions made as opportunities present themselves. And you don't even have to be an MVP. You know, a lot of people think I've got to be Warren Buffett mm-hmm. or I've got to have some super talent. Right. No, you just have to show up and be present and you're going to see that this stuff is simple, but it does show the difference that you've got to prioritize. You've got to have a plan for every dollar and that leads to order of operations for your finances. Now, this came from originally, I looked on LinkedIn and there was this math problem done with shapes and everybody was missing it. When I saw it, I was like, well, that's easy. And why everybody was missing is because they were just doing it left to right. It was like were, a, it was an algebraic equation, yeah, right? It so you was. had to do like some multiplication. Well, you and had subtraction. some stuff in parentheses. You had multiplication. You had addition. But no it, numbers. It was just shapes. And right? if you didn't do it right, well, there was a key down at the bottom right, right, that right. led to numbers. But it's um, it's one of those things that made you realize is it's the whole thing that your math teacher taught you. PEMDAS. PEMDAS. I mean, if you type in PEMDAS, P-E-M-D-A-S, on YouTube, there's all there's a rap they'll help you. There is there's all kind of songs that people have done. Right. So I was like, well, wouldn't it be cool if you could have this on the financial side of your life? What if you knew a cool little acronym or at least some, some guide rules to know what to do with your next dollar? And just like in math, I think you've already said this, you know, PEMDAS matters if you want to get it right in the financial world. 
the order in which you do things matters if you want to get it right. Now, I feel like it's cruel to say PEMDAS and not give you what that stands for. So, because sure. you're probably going, oh, yeah, I remember some print. P is parentheses. So, it's parentheses first, then exponents, multiplication, division, and addition and subtraction. Perfect. So, that's PEMDAS. So, if we do ours, oh, this let's see is if I can do this. Let's see if I can do this. This is going to be real good. Man, okay. Dim sir himfida, dim sir himfida. That sounded like Missy Elliott. I was about didn't to say it? it sounds a lot like a Missy Elliott song. <laughs> I tried, I tried to make it work. So here, here's what we mean by that: deductibles covered, match from employer, credit card, emergency reserves, Roth and HSA contributions, max out retirement contribu- options, hyperaccumulation, prepaid future expenses. Debt prepayment. I think it's worth because it's important enough because it's in order. Read them one more time. Go through them one more time. You don't want me to go say. No, no, um, maybe just leave the acronym off this time. <laughs> maybe just. You don't like Missy Elliott? No, I, I, <laughs> I do like her. I like Missy Elliott. So go through, just read them. Yeah, or? So I, I just think it's important. Like if you're at home taking notes, kind of think about this. Think about do I have these boxes checked and have I operated in this order? And if you haven't, Pay attention because we're kind of going to kind of walk through each one and why it makes sense to prioritize it that way. So deductibles covered, That's right? Match from employer. Yep. That's that free money. That's the free money. Credit card. That's that expensive money. <laughs> Emergency reserves. That's that important money. I, I feel like we're wrapping here. <laughs> Roth and HSA contributions. That's right. Max out retirement options. Hyperaccumulation. Prepaid future expenses. Yep. And then debt prepayment. That's exactly right. So let's jump into these. Deductibles covered. This one's kind of yours, Bo. You, I, I'm going to let you tell us. What do you mean when we say deductibles covered? Yeah, so you know, everyone wants to kind of start with emergency reserves. But as we all know, and we'll talk about in a second, emergency reserves, there's like a couple months of something in there and that sort of thing. And it's hard to sort of get there. So people always ask, well, hey, I can't. I'm in my first day of work. I'm in my first month of work. I can't get to three to six months of expenses. What's my first low-lying stair step that I can step over? And we always say a good place to start is... Think about if you were to get into a bad spot and you mm-hmm. had to go to the doctor or something happened to your car or fill in the blank, you want to have at least enough to cover whatever the amount of your deductible is so that you can get that service or you can see that provider. And that's a good starting stepping stone to get from zero to step one. To, so you're talking about deductibles like on your property and casualty, right. your you know, which is your automobile and your homeowner's. And then you're talking about maybe medical, That's exactly those right. type of things. And here's a stat that I always, I bring this up. You guys who are out there in the Money Guy family, you know this. The first $1,000 saved, when you get that, that's your first priority. Once you have $1,000, that puts you ahead of 57% of Americans out there, according to Go Banking Rates in their 2017 um, survey. The same survey also said that 20, only 25% of people out there have $10,000 in savings. So, so right now, if you are someone sitting out there who has $10,000 in savings, you're in the top 75%. That's I mean, go crazy. ahead and kind of wrap your head around that. Yeah, makes you feel sorry for your neighbors. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Number that's two, right. match from your employer. And I wrote, I feel like Cuba Gooden Jr., you know, and free money. I wrote free, Jr., Is that free Cuba? money. Was that, that, did I get I that think right? It's Cuba. Cuba? Is it Cuba? I don't Cuba. know. I don't, yeah, I don't actually you, know that. We both probably both That's screwing it up. Let's hope he's not a money part of the money guy family. But it's that free money, needless to say, because a lot of you guys, when you start your first job or you've been working on the job for years, one of the things you want to pay attention to is 
what type of retirement product are they offering at work, and do they give me any type of matching? And, and if they do, because it's not uncommon to see a dollar-for-dollar dollar match on the first 3%, or maybe you see 50 cents on the dollar for the first 6%, so like 3%, but either way, it is free money, whether it's 50%, 100%. You would not walk away from that. Now, we do 401k presentations, and I always tell people, if I set up a table with a bag full of money or stacks of money, um, nobody would leave the room and leave that stack. Yeah, if you said, hey, swing by my table, and I'm just going to give you this free money, every single person would walk past you and grab it. But the statistics show that 20% of employees actually don't take advantage of that free money. Now, fortunately, 80%, which is the vast majority, mm -hmm. are doing it. And I know the Money Guy family is. Right. But still, it's one of those things that freaks me out. And I decide this is where I wanted to go beyond common sense. And I said, well, let's go a step further. How big of a how big of a deal is it if you miss out on this free money, if you're that 20%? So I made some very broad assumptions. This is simplified, so follow me on this journey. I just assumed, and this is a very successful person, but they made $100,000, and their employer will match $0.50 cents on the dollar for up to 6%, so essentially 3%, and they did this for 30 years, earning 8%. I tried to choose something that probably was conservative when you're young, but aggressive when you're old, so it was a good balanced rate of return. Um, here's what I figured out. After 30 years, that employee would have contributed $180,000 to the retirement plan. That's $6,000 a year or $500 a month. So that's 30 years equals $180,000 of contribution. Okay. Remember, since it's 50 cents on the dollar, the employer would have put in about $90,000. So we've got a total of $270,000 working. Sure. That would have turned out, the employee's portion would have turned out to be worth $745,000. So the 180 turned into 745. That's pretty incredible, right. isn't it? And then the employer's portion turned into 372,000, or close to 373, right there, exactly half okay. of what the employee did. If you add the, added those two numbers together, we're talking about that 180,000, because that's really all the employee all put the out was $180,000. Turned out to be worth one million one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. That's unbelievable. One hundred and eighty thousand turned into over one point one million dollars. Sixteen percent was your contribution. Eighty-four percent was that employer free money as well as growth in the account. Powerful, powerful stuff. So take advantage of the free money. That's why we say employer free money is you know right behind deductible or emergency thousand dollars it's right there and there there are two things that we sometimes hear you know one of those things are well you know uh things are just tight right yeah. i can't go get that free money right uh we get that and, you know if you're someone starting out and you have bills or whatever start somewhere and maybe you only start at one percent but make yourself a goal that every year if you're like pivo and today is your birthday Increase what you're saving in your 401k. Increase it by 1%. Or every time you get a pay raise, yeah. increase it by 1%. And the second thing was here is, look, I don't believe in investing. I mean, I know that 401k, that's okay, but I don't want to lose money. Think about this. Most 401k plans, and this is not a recommendation, but most even have some sort of like stable value or cash option. Even if all you were doing was putting your money into the 401k and having it sit in a stable value guaranteed return fund, you're still getting a 100% rate of return or a 50% rate of return with that employer match. So it is absolutely crazy not to do Oh, definitely not telling you to put in the stable value <laughs> money. If you're no. not touching the money for 20, 30, 40 years, you want to put it in something that's working for you. We're going to give you even more details on that. So the next one, Bo, credit card debt. Oh, yeah. Now, this one was kind of a coin flip. A lot of you guys, I will tell you, when I was trying to figure out, do you do free money from your employer or do you do credit card? 
it was kind of hard. And the reason I tell you it's a coin flip is because if you're carrying credit card balances, do you realize what the average? We've hit a, a, a pretty much a high of 17.02% is the average interest rate on credit cards. That That's unbelievable. So the average that people are paying out there is 17% on balances. In the previous out. example, I used 8%, turned $180,000 into a millionaire status, right? Right. Imagine what 17% oh. could do. And that's that's where compounding interest actually starts working against right. you. So you've got to make sure you're paying off the credit card debt monthly. I want you to treat your credit cards as a very dangerous tool. You know, no different than a knife or machete or anything else that you might need in your yard or need to prepare a nice meal, but you're scared to death that you're going to cut yourself with it. Because if you're not paying off your credit card debt monthly, you might have to throw this whole thing out. And instead of having credit cards, you might have to go something a little more extreme. And that's where um, you know, our neighbor in the area is Dave Ramsey, and he's all very much against credit cards. And I agree with him for people who cannot pay off their debt monthly. And if you're one of those people, maybe you're watching this, and you're like, I'm watching this because I have a lot of credit card debt going on. Um, you might want to check out a resource like Clark Howard. You know, one of the things he's always pushing, and if you go to Clark Howard's website, we might even be able to put something up on the yep. screen on, in the edited version of the show from the National Foundation of Credit Counseling. He has a great resource for people on how to get out of debt. But get that debt under control because you don't want to be paying 17% interest rates. Just like you said, compound interest can be your best friend or your worst enemy. For sure. So then moving on, emergency reserves plus. A lot of you guys are probably going, wait a minute. We like over, we've went like three already before we even got to emergency well, reserves. Well, we keep coming back to cash. I mean, because we did, the first thing was deductibles covered. And then you're probably wondering, well, wasn't that emergency reserves? First, we just wanted you to have some get out of trouble uh, get out money. Of, uh-oh, I yeah. mean, yeah, uh-oh, what happens? That's why we say deductibles covered. But we know after you get credit cards vanquished, after you get your free money from your employer. Good word. What? Vanquished to credit cards. Well, it's, you know, it's, like when you see 17%, you get motivated. So emergency reserves, and we've talked about this a lot, and I hate to sound like a, a on repeat, but it's that's how important it is. And, and we have a show coming out in the near future that's right. where cash is actually earning something again. You know, it's not uncommon. Now you can get 1.75 yep. on CDs. I think we're at 2.4% right. for one year. Not that I want you buying a bunch of CDs, but I just want to give you some perspective. The interest rates are paying again. So your cash doesn't have to be trash. You don't have to feel like it's not getting anything. But even when they were at 0%, you needed to have three to six months. You still needed to have your emergency reserves in place. It's just one of those asset classes you have to have. Uh, it's not for the return. It's yeah. not about making money. And if you think about it that way, you're already thinking about it the wrong way. So let's talk. What's we? You've heard we got to have emergency reserves, which is three to six months, That's and right. we'll come back to that. For That's retired right. people, it might be longer. That's right. But is there more that? Because I put plus. Is there more that we need to consider besides yeah. just the three to six months? So this is also that time of thinking. Obviously, you've got to have that like uh oh rainy day fund. But if there are some expenses you know that you're going to have in the next five years, this is when you want to start saving for those as well. Some of the common things that we see are saving for cars or family vacation or business investments. Anything that you think you might need cash for inside of five years, you probably, at this step in the order of operations, this is where you want to start to think about funding those intermediate-term exactly. goals. So three to six months, how do you know if you're three months or six months? Yeah, so that's an interesting one too, right? Uh, so it kind of depends on a few factors. One of the easiest ways to think about is if you were to lose your job tomorrow, 
how quickly could you find gainful employment? Again, if you're in a highly specialized field where it's going to be hard to find someone else to pay you what you make now doing that, you probably need to err on the side of six months. Yeah. If you're someone where if you lost your job today, you could have six job offers tomorrow, you can maybe survive in that three-month phase. That's great. And then I also I always throw out there for the retired individuals because you guys, you, three to six months, you notice we were talking about employment because you knew you had the back backup plan that you were going to have current income coming in. Retired people don't have that. You have mm-hmm. to just live off your assets. So that's why it's not uncommon that you might need 18 to 36 months. At this point, measure twice, cut once. You might even want to have a professional help you out with that decision. But um, we put that out there because I don't want people to underestimate the need for liquidity when bad stuff happens. And it doesn't have to just be the stock market. It could be stuff breaks down, health issues. There's all kinds of things that liquidity could come and, in handy. And just know, it's, it's kind of an uncomfortable thing. When you do go from that, you know, your entire working career, you kept three to six months. And then you leave work and you go into retirement. And all of a sudden, these guys are saying, you need to have 18 to 36 months. It's an uncomfortable thing. But you really, unless you've been there, you don't understand the psychological impact that happens when now you're counting on that army to provide for you. And, uh, and so that's the reason we say 18 to 36 is because most market cycles historically have proven that if you can give it that much time, you're not having to sell assets at the world's worst time. And we saw that in 2008, 2009. I do want to put um, a little disclaimer because I know we have clients out there who watch this mm-hmm. and they're going to be like, 18 to 30, I don't have 18 to 36 sure. months. Realize there's also mitigating factors if you have pensions mm-hmm. from a governmental source or something like that. These numbers, it's very individualized. That's the, the hard part about doing a financial show. This is not specific advice to you. This is general guidelines that we want to make sure that that you're looking. If you get to the point that this is really important, consider taking it to the next level, and we'll talk about that later. But let's move on. Roth contributions or HSA contributions. For our astute money guy listeners, you're going to notice this is an addition from the first time we did this. Bo, you are the driving factor on this. We had Roth contributions. You added HSAs. Walk through the Roth and then tell me kind of why we added HSA as well. Yeah, so Roth assets are fantastic because those are money that those are dollars you put away. They grow tax deferred, and then if you pull them out with certain uh, certain qualifications being met, like you're a certain age and you've been in the account for a certain amount of time, you can actually pull that money out tax free. So they actually grow tax free. Really, I like to skip this up and say when you're doing Roth, it's tax free because you're leaving that money in there. You don't have to give all those disclaimers. Roth money is tax-free money, and we like sticking it to the government legally. Legally is the key word. And if you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know that we absolutely love Roth assets. But as Brian and I were kind of talking through this, we had to put a nod in there for HSAs because health savings accounts, if you're someone who has a high-deductible health plan and it makes sense for you to be in that plan and you have access to an HSA, it's an account that operates like a Roth for medical expenses with one caveat, not only does it grow tax-free if you use it for medical expenses, you actually get a tax deduction on the front end. So it is triple tax advantage. Yeah, but you didn't say, all right, triple tax advantage. Yeah, I mean, you got to get excited about you got to, I mean, because when, when you can legally take a tax deduction, let it grow tax-deferred while it's sitting out there working, and then when you actually want to take a distribution, if it's for medical expenses, it's tax-free? That's huge. And there's actually a kind of a, a quad benefit, you know, a fourth one. And the fact that if you're over 65, 
you don't need it for medical purposes. You could pull it out and you just pay income taxes right. just like you would with an IRA. That's exactly right. It's pretty incredible stuff. But before we kind of, because I know and I have to give one disclaimer on HSAs, and then I want to come back to the, the, the tax-free growth sure. on the Roth. Um, the reason Bo and I had a lot of debate on adding HSAs, I love HSAs. I maximize them. I don't even use my cash that I put in every year. I'm letting it grow yep. so that I can go take reimbursements later. It's this stacking strategy that we have. But I was nervous about putting it on here because a lot of you guys, you might work for great Fortune 500 companies. And I know a few of them are starting to add high-deductible plans. But if you have what's called Cadillac insurance, meaning that you have really low deductibles, you just pay a copay, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's type of – especially if you're having children, if you're in the childbearing um, years – or, you know, you have sick kids at the house. You know, you have to look at these things. So I got a little nervous about the HSAs on that just because it's so individualized. Sure. And a lot of you guys might even qualify for a high deductible. But it is a very powerful thing. That triple tax advantage is awesome. Now, Roth, I gave some stats on what a $1 is worth for a 20-year-old, what it's worth for a 30-year-old that, that invests it in a 40-year-old. One of the things I wanted to put out here is if you're doing a tax-free growth with a Roth IRA, the current contribution you can do is $5,500 a year. What is the potential of that $5,500? For a 20-year-old that's going to work for 45 years, that's just assuming they work to 65. 65. Once you realize you like work, that's not the scariest thing in the world. But you figure when you're 20, you can take a lot of risk. So you can have a 10% rate of return. And that money could potentially turn into, that $5,500 could turn into, listen to this, this is the crazy part, $485,000, close to rounding up to $486,000. Now, i got to be honest, when I read this the first time. You thought I, you thought I screwed it up. No, no, no. I, I thought that you were saying, okay, if I just put in $5,500 every single year from now until the time I get to $65, it will be worth $485,000. That's no, not no, what that's, you said. That's what fifty five hundred dollars. That one contribution turns into four hundred eighty. But let me throw some cold water on there because you're not twenty. I'm definitely. I've doubled it. I mean, so so let me throw some cold you water on this. 20. And by the way, I have neighbors who are texting me, and it shows up on my phone. So next time, I'm going to have to mute this thing. Drew, I see you out there. So thank you for for totally trolling me, Matt. You got to get to work on uh, slaying these trolls. So thirty year old. Making 9%. Because remember, the older you get, you got to turn down this rate of return right. for 35 years. Still going to 65. You heard it was 485, close to 486 for the 20-year-old. A 30-year-old, it only turns into 126,000, close to 127,000. That, that's a time big step matters. down. Yeah, time matters. Person my age, I'm actually older than this. A 40-year-old, remember, we pulled it down. It's now 8% a year because you got to get more conservative the older you get. Working only twenty five more years, right. um, that that fifty five hundred dollars, its potential turns it into forty thousand three seventy one. So you twenty year olds who are listening, or maybe you have kids that are even younger than twenty, get them excited about saving because that powerful thing of compounding interest is a magical, magical thing that can happen for the for the younger investor. And, and if if it's hard for you to remember, like all those numbers and the hundreds of thousands, we broke it down really easily. A 20-year-old, every dollar that you invest can turn over 88 times by the yeah. time you're 65. 30-year-old, it's 23 times. And for a 40-year-old, it's six times, which is still pretty incredible. Every yeah. dollar you invest at 40 can be worth six times that amount at 65. Yeah, I mean, even me in my mid-40s, I mean, my money's still going to multiply. 
It's just it's not going to do it 88 right. times like a 20-year-old version of myself could have done. Now, I want to give you, I do want to give you some props, though, because as we were talking about the HSA versus Roth and which one should go where and how you should protest, you did mention one thing that normally you don't mention, but you did mention it this time, and I, and, and I think it's important to mention because there is a unique benefit that Roth has over HSA right. in terms of contributions that you put in. Well, I mean, you can get access to them easily that's if you right. have an emergency. That's, that's the one thing, if you're looking at liquidity, the the Roth is a has some some additional tools in the Batman tool belt. That's so right. um, let's move on to the next one. Max out retirement options. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking at figuring out, talk about talk about why that's important, Bo. Yeah. So we already said, you know, and you you may think, well, no, no, you already told me to get my employer match, right? Yeah, my employer match is six percent. That's just I the match. Six percent in that's there. That's the free money. I, I check that box. That's actually not all you're allowed to contribute to an employer sponsored retirement plan. If you have access to like. A 401k, 403b, 457. You can actually, in 2018, if you're under 50, go all the way up to $18,500. If you're someone who's over 50, you can go up to 24,500. So if you've checked off the boxes of having your deductibles cover, you're getting the match, you've paid off your credit cards or you're paying them off monthly, you have your emergency reserves built up, you're funding a Roth or backdoor Roth and your HSAs, it makes all the sense in the world to go back and try to start getting some more tax incentivized savings by going all the way up to those savings thresholds at 18.5 or 24.5 or a slight bit lower if you're in a simple IRA type plan. Well, you guys know I, I recommend people, I really want you to be saving 15 to 20% of your gross income. That's before taxes. And a lot of you guys, I think you panic when you hear me give that 15 to 20% number. When I do that, I want you to count your retirement contributions. And that gets so much easier because a lot of you guys... When you get that free money from your employer, um, there's a lot of times that's your baseline. And it's not uncommon. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you it's a confession that I see all the time. When you're in your 20s and even parts of your early 30s, it's not uncommon that you might have your cash reserves and then your retirement plans. I mean, mm-hmm. because you're taking advantage of all the benefits right. but that Roth has with the tax-free growth or the tax-deferred growth that your employer plan is right. doing. So don't get freaked out about that. Just know that when money starts to free up, those are that, that's low-lying fruit, and you should hit that hard and, and maximize those contributions. Right. Yeah, one of the questions I saw just come through, and this is an important distinction, says, "Well, can I do a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k?" Oh yeah, absolutely. If you qualify and you're someone in that that mechanism, uh, and, and what's really cool about Roth 401k is not to get on too far of a side is they're not capped at the same limits that Roth IRAs are. So Roth IRA, you can do 5,500 or 65 if you're over 50. Roth 401k, you can actually take all the way up to the maximum limits, 18.5 or 24.5. And there's no income limits. That's right. And yeah, there's no income threshold to be able to participate in Roth 401 Now, I will tell you, we did some really nerdy analysis here in the office, and I'm just going to give you the answer that we kind of found, is that I think you have the threshold somewhere between 150 to 165,000 for a married couple um, it might make sense to to look at that tax deferred opportunity, but with these new low tax rates, that Roth growth is pretty powerful it's stuff. Because I think long term tax rates are going to go up, right. just because there's a lot of bills to be paid by our government. So um, let's move on. The hyper accumulation goal. You know, this is different than just retire maximizing those retirement accounts. Um, you know, I've already kind of given you the clue. In the fact, in the last one, I was talking about my goal for you is to become a hypersaver. And what's a hypersaver? You know, back in the old days when pensions were around. Way back in the old days. I mean, it was even right before me because pensions were kind of going out right as I was coming way to Way back in the old days. <laughs> so the rule of thumb used to be on saving was if you save 10% of your earnings, you were going to be okay. 
And that was true back when you had pensions. But now that we know Social Security, you're going to get something. It's changing, yeah. But it's definitely got some some long-term systematic issues. Um, pensions don't really exist unless you've been in the workforce for a while right. or you work for the government. They still exist for teachers um, and government employees, right. military and things like that. So, so kudos to you guys. But most people, your retirement is going to fall on you. And that's why we pushed the retirement savings. But I think it goes even further than that. After you max out those retirement accounts, you're going to still probably need to save more if you're going to get to that 15 to 20 percent hyper accumulation mode. That's right. And that's why it doesn't, it's, it's not a bad thing if you figure out the value of dollar cost averaging by saving into a taxable account, mm-hmm. an individual account, a joint account. I mean, there's all kind of opportunities. Um, to hyperaccumulate. And, and we get this question a lot from, uh, from some high-income earners say, guys, look, I already do my HSA. I've already do my backdoor Ross. I already maxed out my 401k. I need some more tax-deferred savings, right? That, that's what they always ask. And they say, hey, I have this friend or I have this buddy who said, I should go build up my wealth inside of this insurance product. I should go purchase an annuity. Oh, it, or, this is where the insurance products reside, you know, This is it? kind of where those live. Uh, and, and we always talk about, you know, it's not crazy to build up those after-tax taxable assets. Because, Brian, when you get to retirement, what are the three things that you want to have? What are the three buckets you want to have? Oh, you want to have, you want to have your, we all love our tax-free, because that's course, the raw. That's, the that's sticking it to the man the hardest. And then you've got your after-tax, and then you've got your tax-deferred, which is usually a pretty big one. So you like to have all three, because that lets you manipulate legally, legally. your tax bill in retirement. And especially if you're one of those people, maybe you're one of these fire people, where you go reach financial independence really early, well before you reach 70 and a half. And that's when the government starts making you take those distributions out of your retirement accounts. You have the peak opportunity between 50 and really 70 to kind of play these reindeer games with the taxes and and figure out what you want to be. So really cool opportunity, especially if you're dollar cost averaging. And I'm always surprised, you know, I I can remember when my wife and I started having a little extra cash flow and we started saving a thousand dollars a month just into a taxable joint account. And then you you save two thousand. Then one day you look back and go, Wow, that thing has turned into a, a, a basket of money. Right. Money. I mean, I didn't even, I don't really remember missing that thousand dollars that started out that turned into two, then turned into five, and you know, and so on and so on. You will, if you will pay yourself first, you go find that you get addicted to the feeling of building that in, that financial independence. That money is really growing and working for you. And how do you respond to this question, Brian? When someone asks you, "Yeah, okay, that sounds great, but that money, that thousand dollars, I'm saving, I'm gonna have to pay tax on that every year, right? Because that's in a taxable account. Aren't I, aren't I gonna get hammered? You go pay tax on the income, and you know and I, the thing is when you're doing after tax. And if you're doing index funds as well as be tax, the tax location will be important. And that's one of the things I think we do a good job for our clients. Um, but you can manage that and realize we're talking about the taxes on the income. That's not a bad thing. I always like to say, don't let the tax dog tax tell wag the financial dog. That's I totally right. almost screwed up. No, no, I, I, I recovered it. It, it was okay. It um, let's talk, let's move on to the next one. Prepaid future expenses. Yeah, this is, this is another one that, uh, and I think this is where we do that money guy, just that little bit of money guy extra. Cause yeah. I think some people will talk about order of operations or how to save for retirement and they leave this one off. But if we're going to be honest, most of us deal with this category because most of us spend money on things other than just retirement. Well, I think because you, you, I didn't read it, but you put in parentheses, mm-hmm. 
when we talk about prepaid expenses, the first thing that comes to mind is college That's for it. kids. That's exactly right. And we love our kids. I mean, it was last week was first day of school for my oldest one. I can't believe I have a kid in high school. And then today was actually the first day of school for my youngest one. And, you know, you love your kids so much, but, in, you know, we use this analogy all the time because I just was on some trips, some business trips. And what is the first thing that the flight attendant tells you when they're showing you the oxygen mask? You gotta, you're supposed to put it on yourself before you put it on your kids, right? Exactly. So you need to make sure that you fund your own finances before you take care of juniors or your, your favorite, you know, or your daughter is because you want to make sure that they're not having to live, you're not having to live in their basement. That's right. You want to make that an option because you, you live in the basement because they want you there, not because you're broke yeah, you have and this there. is your retirement. Um, because there's no retirement loans. So no. We talk about this. So that's why you've got to make sure that all these things, these prepaid future future expenses, and that's what college planning when we're doing college savings. And believe me, I'm not saying don't do it. I mean, I'm definitely saving for both my kids, but I've gone through the order of operations right. to make sure I've got me and my wife on stable ground before we jump to the kids, 529s and the, the, the preferred tax advantage ways you can save for college. That's exactly right. So so be very careful. I know that that's hard. And this this does move on to prepaids could turn into... Saving for weddings. Yep. I mean, you know, as soon as both of my... I have two daughters. You have two daughters. I have two daughters also. You know what you do when you have two daughters and you have wives that are expecting big weddings? You traditional pray, weddings? You pray for a future son-in-law that wants to elope. There's no scholarships for weddings, but <laughs> You start saving and you figure out... It's kind of like that $88 example. Right. We're talking about a dollar can turn into $88 for a 20-year-old. You can do the same thing for co- if you know your wife is going to expect a nice wedding mm-hmm. for your daughters, and your daughters are probably going to expect right. nice weddings, and you're a tightwad. You better start saving early and often That's so right. that it feels free. So as soon as my kids' with daughters were born, I started doing $100 a month into like a just a custodial account yep. so that I wouldn't freak out when flowers cost 4000 5000 Maybe they're from, who knows what That's flowers exactly. cost. I'm just making up numbers. But um, that definitely prepaid future expenses – Make sure you get the other things taken care of and first. Here's an important thing that I think is worth mentioning because we, we said a little bit up. We talked about emergency reserves. We were talking about, uh, you know, that's kind of your rainy day fund plus those things that you might need cash for inside of five years, like weddings, like automobiles. But then you just heard us mention weddings again. There is a transition that happens. When you're more than five years out, you can kind of think about funding those goals after you've done everything else. But when you do start to get close to when you're going to need the money for these, you probably do want to think about it turning into more of an emergency reserves bucket and kind of shifting the cash. Well, it's, it's that whole short-term mentality. Exactly Anything right. that you know you're going to need, especially within three years, but potentially up to five years, don't have it out there in financial markets because you're going to need that money. It's not That's stuff that you know is going to happen and you don't want to take on the volatility risk. So that's just right. don't do it. The things we're talking about with these prepaid future expenses, these are things in the very distant future like a wedding for a young, young ch- daughter yeah. or um, or even college expenses for a four-year-old. Sure. These things, we know they're coming, but they're just out in the future. Sure. Um, the last one we have, and, and people are going to be shocked that this is the last one on our order of operations for the financial household, is debt prepayment. Why is why why did we do that, Bo? Why yeah. why did we is this upside down? Did we screw this up? I think I think a lot of people are like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. Because this they're gonna be like, we should be there. paying down, we should get out of all debt. That's right. And then we start saving. We I, start that's what we gotta do. Stuff. We gotta we gotta get out of debt and then we start saving for the future. And and what we said was, if you remember, we put the painful stuff up there at the top. Those credit loans that have an average interest rate of seventeen percent, 
by all means, you should start knocking yeah. those out. But some of those other types of debt, I'm thinking like primary mortgages, maybe student loans, you know, those types of debts, they may not need to be prioritized above some of the other hierarchy that we sort of laid out right I here. I call that non-punitive debt, meaning that like they're that. not charging you such a high interest rate that it is jeopardizing your future. Because remember, we were talking about the whole compounding interest. Bo is exactly right. We top-loaded all the debt that has super high rates, like 17% on credit cards. If you have a car loan, it's like 7 8%, but it's not uncommon that you see even car loans at like 0.9 or 1.9. What we want you to think about, and student loan debt is obviously super low, just like your mortgage debt, right. is I want you to realize the answer lies back with that Roth example. If you can take a dollar when you're 20 years old and then its potential turns into $88 at age 65, and, and think about the, because here's what I thought was interesting, is that the 20-year-old who saved $5,500, that money turned into also almost half a million dollars. But crazy. then the 30-year-old who just waited same amount of money, it's the same $5,500, it's just a 10 years separating them, it was about $359,000 less than the 20-year-old. How, how is that possible? And what it is, is, is that money had a chance to work for itself. It's, it always talk about the army of dollar bills. If you can build up your base level of assets as early and as fast, you really will set yourself up for the future where you'll have enough money to, to kind of take care of everything else. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think a lot of people, I want you to think about your debt because I know there's this propensity. I have a, I have a CPA friend. I don't know if he'll watch this. I'll be embarrassed if he does, but it's um, his whole thing is is he just doesn't want to owe anybody anything, and I get it. There's a psychological release that is going to occur when you can say I owe own my entire life. Yeah. But the thing is, if there is potential for you to make six percent, seven percent, eight percent, and you're only paying two percent or three percent on something, um, you have to think about that. Now, and y'all, I'm going to talk out of both sides, and I don't mean to. But I have done everything on this order of operation, but now I'm paying off. My mortgage will be paid off within 10 years. Right. Um, I've done that on purpose and because I do want that same thing my friend's talking about. I want that psychological feeling of not owing anybody anything, but I've made sure that everything else on this list was satisfied before I made that transition. And I just want to encourage you guys. That's why we want to give you this priority list is because when you have an order of operations, I got to tell you, you're going to go ahead and be uh, uh, leaps and bounds ab above and beyond right. your peers because the first thing is, is you've created a plan of action. I mean, so many people, I was just talking to, I had a former neighbor who was staying with me this weekend and we had an opportunity to sit on the back deck and, and talk about things a little bit. And we were talking about just how crazy powerful and, and I'll, even Drew, who's listening, because we had dinner Friday with the same neighbors, he was talking about how much better his golf swing is, because not because the, the guy has him working on the actual hitting the ball in a certain place or where the swing is. It's more about the visualizing where you want the ball right. to land. Think yeah. about where you want it to go. And, Bo, we've seen this with our business. Mm -hmm. When we started thinking about what does the ideal client mm -hmm. for this firm look like, and we actually started looking at clients and then – this mysterious, almost magical thing right. happened a year, 18 months in the future is that we started getting more of those clients. I can't tell you everything we did to fix it or make it better. It's just that this magical thing up here, this brain, our brains are, have so much more potential than we even realize. 
by having that plan of action, that subconscious as well as the actual physical actions you're taking will start making this plan of action work so much better. I mean, it is so powerful. And then I also think it's going to show you where you have weaknesses in your financial life. That's the other big thing that's going to happen when you look at your order of operations for finances is you're going to go, wait a minute. I haven't graduated through the list, so I need to come back. And it's going to be kind of, I know it can be off-putting. We all want to accomplish goals and check off the list as fast as possible. But be patient. This stuff doesn't happen. How do you get rich? You get rich slowly. That's right. I mean, I know it's exciting to think about. And we have those clients, but they're they're fewer um, than the majority of our clients who are just great savers, diligent. We all want to be that windfall. We want to be that lottery That's person right. who just sells the software company and is now loaded it doesn't always work that way. I want you to know the majority of people, just like the millionaire next door talks about, 80% of your millionaires are first generation. And another thing that I think people don't realize unless they really pay attention to like the millionaire next door, most people don't hit millionaire status until they're 50, in their 50s. Yeah. So I, I don't want you to get frustrated, troubled. I just want you to go through the order of operations and be successful. Now, we're coming to a close, and you guys are probably going, Wow. If you're brand new to the Money Guy Show, you're going, this is a lot of free advice these guys give me. What, what's, what's the catch? Why are right. they doing this? And we have this whole thing called the abundance cycle where we love on you, and it's our gift to you to just give you this completely good, free advice. And the only way, thing we ask is if you want to pay us back is when you get to the level of financial success, that your assets are so big, the enterprise is so big that you're worried about screwing it up, that you need a second opinion, you need somebody to look over your shoulder because you know that a 1%, 2%, 5%, even 10% mistake could derail this beautiful thing that you've spent an entire career working on. We want you to give us a chance. Give us a chance to become take the relationship to the next level and let us be your financial advisor. You can go check us out, moneyguy.com. you got aboundwealth.com. And by the way, a lot of you guys are now starting to watch us on YouTube. Yep. If you are, you know, give us some comments. Yeah. If you disagree with something we said, let's have a whole, you know, discussion right there in the, the comments section. If you think we got the order upside down? Tell us about it. Yeah, I'd love, love to, to hear, hear because I know, and there's people I respect tremendously, even in my own neck of the woods here, who have different thoughts on this. So I'm saying that we can, it's, we can talk about this. And I think a lot of it is very individualized, sure. but it, the main thing, get you a plan of action, an order of operations for your own finances. Before we sign off, if you are listening to this and you are not watching us live right now, what we're going to do is we're about to turn off, you know, the recording. We're going to, you know, sign out of the show and we are going to stay on and answer your questions uh, directly in a Q and A after this. So uh, for those of you that are live with us now, hang around. We're gonna we're gonna be there with you. If you're listening to us and you're not live, check out the live. Uh, it's every other Tuesday, 4:45 p.m. Central. Come join us, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun even after. The light, not after the lights go out. What's a better way to say that? Well, after we cut the, it's, I don't know. I, I was going to say, we have these cool tumblers. <laughs> you guys have been saying, hey, how do I get these cool tumblers? Come join us for the live stream. And we're going to, you know, we're going to choose some good questions, give them some good answers, and then give away some free tumblers. So check out, but um, when we, when we're no longer hot. When we're not hot. That still sounds That still horrible. sounds <laughs> I'm your host, Brian Preston, with Mr. Bo Hansen. Check us out, moneyguy.com, and definitely check out the live stream. Thanks so much. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management, 
A bound wealth management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. A bound wealth management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice.